This is the Freudcast. I'm Matt Barbet. Freud's is very proud to be a certified B corporation. It is, in fact, the first major PR firm to do so. But what does that mean? And where did the idea come from? I can answer that first question. The official headline is B Corps, as they're known, meet the highest standards of verified social and environmental performance, public transparency and legal accountability to balance profit and purpose. To answer that second question, Freud's Laura Round spoke to co-founder of B-Lab, Andrew Cassoy, the non-profit that began the whole thing. B-Lab was started about uh, 14 years ago at this point, um, and it was started by three uh, good friends, um, myself, Bart Houlihan and Jay Cohen Gilbert, who had all been close friends uh, all the way back to college. Um, and had all gone off and done different things in the private sector. And so Bart and Jay built a, uh, a footwear and apparel company from the garage into about a $250 million business uh, that was sold in 2005. Um, and I spent most of my career uh, in a pretty mainstream uh, Wall Street private equity uh, uh, role. And so um, we all came from sort of different different lenses in the private sector uh, as entrepreneurs and operators and investors, um, but all over the course of that career came to sort of see the same thing, which was that business had this enormous capacity to, uh, to attract capital and to attract talent and therefore to scale. Um, and, and therefore, it ought to be solving some of the biggest social and environmental problems that we face, but it wasn't, and in fact, often was causing them. Um, and that's because the structure or the system that we've come to rely on in business um, doesn't work for the set of challenges that we face as a society anymore. Um, and so it was time to think about a reset for capitalism. What would you say were the main things that you saw in your previous role that motivated you to set up B-Lab? Well, what we saw was that um, the incentives, uh, the the structure of business, the culture of business, um, the the rules of the game that had been set, both by law and by culture, the things that people are taught in business school and law school, um, had come to be this idea that uh, the purpose of business is to maximize value for shareholders. Um, not that the purpose of business is to create value for society. And um, and so like th- that set of rules of the game that had been created were an impediment to, to uh, an enormous number of inspiring entrepreneurs that we had each started to meet. Um, in my case, uh, I was on the board of an organization called Echoing Green that um, funds uh, social entrepreneurs, people who they don't care if they're starting a business or starting uh, an NGO. They're, they're entrepreneurs who are starting something in order to solve a problem. And for those of them that were trying to, so- to create businesses to solve that problem because they saw an opportunity using business to scale, to attract capital, to attract talent, to scale, um, the market wasn't built for them. And so they were running into unnecessary impediments, even as they were doing amazing work. Um, so for example, 
there was a woman uh, in the U.S. named Sarah Horowitz who had come upon the idea that um, independent workers, like gig economy workers, needed health insurance, and the health insurance system in the United States didn't didn't offer health insurance to those kinds of workers. And so she was building a health insurance business that had the capacity to be enormously successful, but investors couldn't understand that um, that she was trying to build a business that had a social and environmental a social purpose not just uh, to make money for the shareholders. Um, and so hundreds and thousands of examples of entrepreneurs like that made us realize that um, what we need is systems change. We need a systems change in the way capitalism functions. And that was going to require not just individual businesses behaving heroically or individual investors choosing to invest in those good businesses or individual consumers choosing to buy from or support those kinds of companies, but actually a change to the whole system itself. And so that the reason for founding B-Lab was to, to build that market infrastructure that would allow us to have um, a different kind of economic system that was inclusive and equitable and regenerative for all. And what were the initial obstacles that you had to overcome? Well, at, at one level, the, the big obstacles were um, are, are cultural and legal, that the rules um, have been set up to do business in a different way for a very long time. And not just for the last 50 years since Milton Friedman wrote his famous essay about the purpose of business being to maximize value for shareholders. Um, if you look back to uh, like the slave trade, we're talking about uh, a system that's been built for 400 years, not for 50 years, uh, with a set of rules that are about maximizing value uh, while uh, uh, appropriating um, human labor and land and resources. So, um, so we needed a, a fundamental change in all of that. Um, and so the obstacles for us were, you know, on one hand were um, structural at a more like practical level. The obstacle was that um, there wasn't really a roadmap for how to do business in a different way. And, and there wasn't an easy way to identify what is a good company, the, a company that's good for society, good for the environment um, in a market where all companies claim to be good. And so there's a lot of, you know, what's called greenwashing or now Called per, often called purpose washing. So th that made us at the beginning say that the um, the most important thing to do was not sort of like a theoretical systems analysis, but actually to create a very concrete way to identify what is a good business that lots of different companies and all of their stakeholders could rally around. Uh, to plant a flag, and so the way we did that was to create a certification called a B corporation. And it's like um, like organic for milk or fair trade for coffee, but a certification um, that says that the, something about the whole company, that the company is good for all of its stakeholders and that it's made a long-term commitment to be accountable to all of those stakeholders. Yeah, which is very powerful, very powerful indeed. What I'm curious about is you mentioned how in your previous role, um, this stuff just didn't come up. There wasn't much attention given to it. What were the reactions from the people that you used to work with when you told them what you were going to do? Were they quite skeptical? Uh, yeah, I would say the reactions ranged from extremely skeptical 
um, like that's just not what business is for, um, to uh, like a pat on the head. <laughs> Congratulations. That's that's nice that you're going to go do something good for people. Mm. Um, uh, but but still with the same skepticism or even cynicism. Um, and and from a few people, um, uh, like some real um, excitement and wanting to help and wanting to travel a similar journey, like a recognition that the system that they were a part of, um, might be working for them, but it wasn't working for most people or for the planet. Um, and so, uh, at least a subset of people were really excited and wanting to, um, wanting to join in that journey. And I would say over the last 14 years, one of the, one of the coolest things has been seeing actually more and more people, um, with the skills that come from having been parts of the mainstream economy, whether in large corporations or large financial services businesses um, or big law firms, um, actually choosing to um, to leave those roles or to repurpose those roles so that the mainstream economy could become more responsible. What would you describe as the turning point in all of this? When did you start seeing a change in reactions or as you just described, more people wanting to be part of it and using their, their skill sets? Well, the B Corp movement, I would say, has been through several eras at this point. First of all, when it started, it was really standing on the shoulders of many individual businesses and organizations that had been trying to do this work either in the capital markets or in the corporate world for a long time. So by no means were we the first people to show up and say, oh, business could be more responsible. Um, lots of people have been doing this for a long time and we were benefiting from, um, from a lot of hard work uh, that came before us. But, um, you know, the different, we've been through these different eras um, the, the first of which was right when we started in the first year. The thing that um, was most powerful was that in the first year, um, 80 companies uh, signed up to be founding B corporations. And essentially that was an act of leadership. It was, it was companies saying we're, we're in without knowing what they were in for. Um, companies that were willing to make a commitment to lead even though the brand had no value at the time. Um, and so that early leadership, I would say, was like the first really critical um, uh, mile marker uh, or turning point. Um, over the, f the next several years, um, as several hundred companies signed up, I would say the next really important thing that happened was that um, many of those companies started to work together to try to take collective action around public policy. Um, and that resulted eventually in um, nearly 40 U.S. states and now five countries actually creating purpose-built corporate statutes um, for companies that want to be held accountable to um, consider their stakeholders, not just their shareholders when they make decisions. And, and, um, and, and potentially the most important turning point in that was in 2013, um, so about six years after we started when Delaware, which is sort of the home of um, most large U.S. corporations, Delaware passed what's called a benefit corporation statute um, that allowed companies to be accountable to their stakeholders. Um, so that was a critical turning point because it was a recognition from sort of like the home of corporate law um, that 
that there was a different way for companies to do business. I would say the next important turning point was that we started to get more and more um, leaders from outside of the United States uh, wanting to build B Corp communities in their own country. So they saw the example of this collection of, of entrepreneurs and business leaders in the U.S., um, who were becoming B corporations, and they said, "We, w- there's no need for us to create something new in our own country. Why don't we adopt this and turn it into something that works in our own local context?" And so, um, from 2011 to about 2015, we had um, numerous partners join us to create uh, Sistema Bay, which is the B Lab uh, partner in Latin America that operates in most countries in Latin America, and then B Lab UK and B Lab Europe um, and B Lab Australia and New Zealand, and then B Lab East Africa, um, and then a number of regional partners um, throughout Asia. And so um, I think a really important turning point was this um, community of B Corps in the US uh, turning into a global movement. And then, and then I'd say the most recent, I think, critical turning point was that um, a year ago, the Business Roundtable, which is an organization in the U.S. that represents sort of the largest companies, uh, at largest multinationals in the country, um, but there are similar such organizations around the world, um, c- came out with a statement that um, it was time to let go of this doctrine of shareholder value maximization, that, um, that the purpose of business is to maximize value for all stakeholders. And I think that the B Corp movement played a critical role in pushing um, large business to recognize the, um, the importance of thinking about stakeholder capitalism instead of shareholder capitalism. But, um, but not, but but it didn't end there, and and so the community of B corporations globally came out with a statement right after that um, l- last August, saying uh, if large corporations um, want to claim to have a greater purpose, um, then they actually need to get to work acting consistently with that, um, and challenging corporations to do the same kinds of things that B corps do, including making themselves accountable to their stakeholders, not just talking about it. I know you've recently applauded Danone, for example, about um, adopting stakeholder governance. Are there other examples that you can give of of recent announcements that um, make you optimistic? For sure. I mean, the last several months have actually been quite momentous, Um, you know, in the wake of COVID and then... um, you know, what started in the U.S., but it's really become a global uh, uh, uprising about racial equity. Um, We've seen some amazing um, actions by uh, companies in the public markets. And so just over the course of the last several months, um, a U.S. public company, a bank named Amalgamated Bank, uh, made an announcement that they were taking a shareholder vote to put in place stakeholder governance. Uh, and they got almost complete approval from their shareholders. Uh, on the backs of that, um, Emmanuel Faber, the CEO of Danone, announced that Danone uh, in France would seek a similar kind of resolution from its shareholders to become a, um, a, a what's called a, a SAM, Société à Mission, uh, which is very similar to the benefit corporation form in the United States. Uh, and they took a shareholder vote. And again, they got 99% shareholder approval, uh, which I think proved that um, this is gaining acceptance among institutional investors. 
Um, a f- uh, two weeks after that, a U.S. Um, company that was funded mostly with with venture capital and private equity money, an insurance company called Lemonade, um, announced that they were going to do an IPO uh, w- with that stakeholder governance um, B Corp legal form in place, um, and they had the most successful IPO of 2020 uh, to date. Um, and then another company uh, called Vital Farms. Um, made a similar announcement that they're about to do an IPO. So we've had a series of events um, around the world that I think prove that both investors and companies are starting to get the message, but also in the wake of COVID are getting the message that um, just talking about it isn't okay, that their stakeholders actually have the expectation that they're taking real action and that they're making themselves accountable for it. Um, And I think that idea of accountability is the is maybe is like the core idea um, that needs to sit at the at the, the the idea that needs to sit at the core of purpose in business is not talking about it but being accountable for it. Mm, exactly. Yeah, it's definitely becoming increasingly clear that doing good is good business. How much more profitable is purpose for businesses now? Would you say? I am pretty careful in answering this question um, because I think it's uh, I think it's risky to talk about it only in terms of it being good business, like meaning more profitable business. Uh, it is often true, um, particularly over the long term, that being socially or environmentally responsible, that taking care of your workers or um, uh, or reducing your carbon footprint, um, uh, or giving back in the communities where you do business is, um, is more profitable. Like I, I believe that that's true because consumers want to support those kinds of businesses and, um, people are more likely to want to work for those kinds of companies. Um, so those things are all true. And at the same time, I think it's important to say that, um, there are also things that we need business to do that um, that may involve trade-offs even over the long term. Um, and so it's not always true um, that it's that it's just about making more money. And in fact, if 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 part of our objective is a movement that is changing the purpose of business, like that cultural message needs to be not just that it's about um, making more money, but that it's actually about business playing the right role in creating a better society. Exactly. Yeah. So what are the plans for the future? What's next for B-Lab? Well, the B Corp movement is growing pretty rapidly. Um, we were really worried when uh, COVID started that this would be a period um, of retrenchment uh, of just trying to survive. Um, and what's been amazing to us, and I think it speaks to the power of the movement and what, uh, and the purpose people want in their lives is that, um, it's grown through the pandemic. Um, the number of submissions by company companies submitting to be certified as B Corps has gone up, not down. Um, and, and that's gone up across the board globally. It's gone up with small companies, but it's also gone up with large multinationals wanting to join the movement. And so, um, for, 
for us as a global network, one of the most important things is trying to make sure that we've got the resources to meet that demand. Um, uh, and so we're really focused on making sure that we have a set of programs that work for multinationals because we have more and more multinationals wanting to follow the lead of, of companies like Danone and Amalgamated Bank. Um, and so uh, we have not only um, B Corp certification for those companies, but we're in the midst of launching a new program called B Movement Builders, which is for companies that might want to be on the path, large multinationals that might want to be on the path to certification or might just want a program to, that allows them to support the B Corp movement and be a part of the movement without ever intending to get certified. Um, and so we have an initial group of multinationals that have joined a, a first cohort of B Movement Builders, but we expect that to grow into a program with hundreds of large multinationals that want to be a part of the B Corp movement. Um, and that creates a pathway for them to take that authentic and transformative journey as companies. Um, the second thing I would say is we're really focused on making sure that we are building a community across the globe that is, um, that is inclusive and diverse and in a time where we know that um, the impact of COVID and lots of other things like, um, like police violence um, has been disproportionate on communities of color um, and in particularly on businesses of uh, that are led by or owned by people of color, uh, not just in the United States, but globally. Um, we're really focused on making sure that we're building an inclusive community. Um, the third thing I would say is, um, is a recognition that the B Corp movement isn't going to do any of these things by itself. And so, um, we have, um, helped to form a new coalition of organizations called Imperative 21 that um, uh, is made up of, it's sort of a, a, a coalition made up of lots of other networks of business and capital markets organizations that want to see um, the economic system change. And, um, and it's really important to create an organization like Imperative 21 because it allows um, all of us collectively to carry a more powerful message about the need for economic systems change um, and to drive like a culture shift message that isn't just about B Corps, but is about um, a larger idea of which we are a part. Um, and so Imperative 21 is, is also launching in September um, on the anniversary of Milton Friedman's, uh, on the 50th anniversary of Milton Friedman's essay about shareholder value maximization. Fantastic. That's, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. A lot to look forward to. Yeah. And then the, the final thing is, I think there's a recognition that um, public policy globally has to play a role. Um, like we need enabling mechanisms uh, for government to be able to play the right role in balance with business and for business to have the right set of rules. And so I mean, each of our markets, we're, we're focused on what the right public policy solutions are to make sure that there, we have free and fair markets um, in which business can, um, can rightfully uh, act with purpose to solve some of our greatest challenges. Absolutely. On a final note, can you just explain to the listeners a bit more just about what the criteria are to be certified and especially for businesses listening uh, or business leaders who are listening 
how they can get involved, or also how can uh, consumers encourage more businesses to get cert certified and start the B Corp journey? B Corp certification has two main components. One is about social and environmental performance standards, so the impact of the business on each of its stakeholders. And the second is about um, stakeholder governance, that the company has made itself accountable to its stakeholders. So when we're measuring um, the impact of a business on all of its stakeholders, we are um, we're looking at the, the, the impact of a, we use we use a tool called the B Impact Assessment um, that every company goes through and it asks a company questions about its impact on its workers, its communities, the environment, its consumers, um, its supply chain. And, um, and it's asking a company based on its region and its size and its industry, a series of questions in all of those areas, and then assessing in total whether the company is having a positive impact. And, uh, and so a company needs to meet a minimum bar on that B impact assessment. And then secondly, it needs to make a change in its, in its legal structure um, to make itself accountable to its stakeholders when it makes decisions. There are today 3,500 companies in over 70 countries around the world that have gotten that B Corp certification. But it's also important to say that there are uh, over 100,000 companies that have chosen to start on this path by using the B Impact Assessment um, or a related tool called the SDG Action Manager that we've developed with the UN Global Compact. Mm -hmm. um, but so there are over 100,000 companies that are actually measuring and managing and improving their impact, um, whether or not they're on that path to B Corp certification. Many are, but many are just using it as an internal tool and, and it's freely available online for any company. Um, there are also uh, well over 10,000 companies that have adopted uh, stakeholder governance by using um, those benefit corporation statutes or similar statutes around the world. Uh, and putting in place language that makes them accountable to their stakeholders. So many companies choose to become certified B corporations, but there are many tools that companies can use to take action, even if they um, aren't ready to get certified as a B Corp. And it's incredibly inspiring to us and to the community of B Corps to see all those um, tens of thousands of companies um, choosing to take action on their own using those tools um, and and we embrace them all as part of this larger uh, B Corp movement. Brilliant. It fills you with optimism for the future, I think. It it does. And you asked about consumers. Mm. Um, we live in a world, I think, where most of us play multiple roles in our lives. We're consumers, we're workers, we're entrepreneurs. Um, many of us, through our retirement plans, we're our investors also. Um, and in every one of those roles, uh, we can um, we can put pressure on the companies that we engage with to act responsibly. So as consumers, obviously, we can push companies to get certified as B corporations and to take care of their workers and their communities and the environment. Um, as investors, we can do the same thing. We can ask the investment managers that we um, entrust our money to, to make sure that they are investing in companies that are responsible and that they're pressuring the companies they invest in to act uh, responsibly and sustainably. Um, and I would also say we're incredibly powerful as workers. 
Um, one of the, the the place where we see the most activity, like the most pressure on companies to become B Corps is inside of the company. The workers themselves saying, I want a job with purpose and I want to know that the company that I work for reflects my values. And so in many cases, the, when we get the call from the CEO saying, I'd like to be for us to become a certified B Corp, it's not because the CEO is a visionary who decided they wanted to do this. It's because they've heard it from their employees uh, from their teams who've said this is what it would this is what it would take for us to believe that our company um, uh, actually walks the walk brilliant well Andrew thank you so much for taking the time I'm happy to happy to do it and and obviously really pleased that Freud's is a is a part of the B Corp community exactly yeah well so am I and as an employee it certainly fills me with with pride that's great Thanks to Andrew and Laura. Keep up to date with what we're up to by visiting freuds.com. You can also follow us on LinkedIn and search for Inside Freuds on Instagram. Bye for now.